We're going to continue reading the Bible together now. The passage we'll be reading is from Mark chapter 15, verse 42, through to Mark chapter 16, verse 8. Should come up on the screen, but if you're reading one of the church Bibles from down the back, it's on page 905. When it was already evening, because it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died. When he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. After he bought some linen cloth, Joseph took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Then he laid him in a tomb cut out of the rock and rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Joseph, were watching where he was laid. <coughs> when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Thank you, Paul, and good morning, everyone. Hopefully you're having a wonderful Easter. Now, kids, you've got two arms. I want you to put one arm up if you've already eaten chocolate today. Very good. Hand, put your other arm up if your parents have eaten chocolate today. So I want to see, like, there's only a lot of one. Very good, parents. Well, welcome to the greatest day of the year, Easter Sunday. There is no better. And if you are new with us this morning, welcome. My name is Ed, Senior Minister here at OEC, and it is wonderful to read the Bible with you to celebrate the greatest day in history. Now, June 18, 1815, was the day of the Battle of Waterloo. You've got Wellington with the forces of England, Holland and Germany. You've got Napoleon with the forces of France. And all of England were breathlessly waiting for word of the outcome. In England, a thick fog came in off the channel. Now, in those days, news of the battle did not come via text message. It came as ships across the channel passed a sign, 
via lights, a light relay system, spelling out the message letter by letter. And a sentry on the top of Winchester Castle in England was there to pick up the messages and he saw one coming across that foggy morning. He relayed it to the person below letter by letter. Wellington defeated. The message sent London into a panic. People wandered home that morning totally disillusioned and defeated. There was to be no more England. That mad Frenchman had won. There was no more hope. A few hours later, the fog lifted and the sentry then relayed the full message. Wellington defeated the enemy. England, in one moment, went from total despair to utter joy. That was the same emotional experience of Jesus' friends and family on the first Easter weekend. Friday was devastating. On Friday, they watched Jesus, their leader, the one they had banked everything on, die as a criminal. He was mocked by soldiers and citizens. And everyone who was a friend and family of Jesus went home that night totally disillusioned. It was all over. Jesus was one massive letdown. And there are a lot of people who never get past that Friday. When you think of Jesus, he's a dead teacher. He's a dead influencer or just a dead religious guy. And so our question for the morning, is Jesus worth following? The answer is no way. People stuck on Friday don't understand why anyone would go to church, why anyone would read an old book or why anyone would shut their eyes and talk to someone who's not there. That's totally understandable. Except that Sunday happened. The fog lifted on Easter Sunday. And the friends and family of Jesus went from despair to utter joy. They realised it's not all over. Jesus is not a dead king. He is alive. It is a historical truth. And it changes everything. The truth that Jesus is alive, it crosses every boundary into every culture, into every family. He is a king worth following. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to follow real people who were there that day. We're going to follow a secret follower, some nervous women and some broken friends. Let's go back to Friday. It was Friday afternoon in Jerusalem and the clock, it was ticking to 6 p.m. when Sabbath for the Jews would start and all work would have to stop. And the bodies of those on those three crucified crucifixion, they had to be removed by six o'clock. So normally the Roman soldiers would take them off and throw them in a common tomb. Unless the family jumped in. But on that Friday, an unlikely person stepped in. His name was Joseph. He was a member of the group who had plotted Jesus' death 
organised the illegal trial in the middle of the night and lobbied the Roman governor to kill Jesus. But for the last three years, he'd been following Jesus and what he said. And Joseph was convinced that this disruptor from the north, he was the hope of Israel. But he was a secret follower of Jesus because he was scared silent by what the Jewish leaders would do to him and his family. Until that night when he risked everything to give Jesus a civilised burial. And unfortunately for the conspiracy theorists, Joseph agrees with every Christian and the most sceptical atheist. Jesus was really dead. We see that the soldier checked that he was dead. Pilate gave Joseph dead Jesus. Joseph wrapped dead Jesus and he wrapped him in linen cloth and put him in his own tomb that had never been used. Why did Joseph do that? By coming out as a follower of Jesus, he was was cancelled straight away. He was kicked off the Sanhedrin. His family lost all their privileges. His neighbours mocked him. And by touching that corpse... He was now unceremonially unclean and unable to go to the temple, unable to worship God with his friends and family. On the face of it, there was absolutely nothing in it for him. Well, Joseph had heard what Jesus had said and what Jesus had did. And he decided to go all in. And so as he watched Jesus die on Good Friday, he was persuaded that Jesus could be trusted that he was a king worth following, even at great personal cost. Now, early Sunday morning, three women left their home before dark. Sorrow wakes early. Those three women were at every major point of the first Easter weekend. Three of them had watched Jesus die. Two of them were there when Jesus was buried by Joseph Now three head to the tomb to perform a loving mission. They are going to wash and perfume dead Jesus. And they are really nervous, very nervous. They're nervous about how they're going to move this one ton stone away from the door. Then they're really nervous when they see the stone has already been rolled away. Is someone going to deny them their last act of worship for Jesus? And then they're totally terrified when they meet an angel in the tomb. They really need someone to explain what was going on. And so the angel in that tomb, he calms these women's nerves by explaining eight things. You see it there? He says, don't be frightened. Jesus was crucified. Jesus has been raised. Jesus is not here. Go and tell the disciples He's going ahead of you to Galilee. He will see you. You will see him in Galilee. And he already told you all of this. The angel declares to those women, it's not all over. God actually became a human in Jesus. And you've seen him speak and you've heard him speak and you've seen all he did. And Jesus willingly suffered a humiliating death for you just as he said 
And that Jesus, he was pushed down and down and down. But in one moment, the grave could not hold him. And Jesus rose from the dead, resurrected, glorious and radiant, exactly as he told you would happen. And the angel says, you three women are the first witnesses of the greatest day in history. The king is alive. Now, with modern eyes, we don't see the scandal of this. If Mark was making this up, and I know some of you think this is just a made-up myth, if Mark was actually making it up, he would not have included the women. Because in the first century, women were not credited as reliable witnesses by either Rome or the Jews, just by God. Celsus, he was a second century Greek philosopher who hated Christianity. Okay, this is what he said. The accounts of the resurrection are based on women and you cannot believe them because they are hysterical. He said it's the strongest argument against Christianity. But Mark, he records these three nervous women because they were there. They saw it with their own eyes. Jesus is alive. What's really interesting on that day is who's not there. The 11 guys who had just spent the last 1,000 days with Jesus were absent. They're called the disciples. They were hiding in a locked room and they were stuck on Friday. They were full of despair. They were disillusioned with Jesus and the last three years. They were fearful about what would happen next. And so the angel sent them a message with those three women to the guys who had abandoned Jesus and failed Jesus at his time of need. Okay, what's the angel going to say? You bunch of cowards get stuffed. Maybe if you grovel and kiss my feet, I'll talk to you. Is that what the angel No, the angel doesn't say that. That's the human way. That's what we do. Look what the angel said. But go tell the disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you. We see that Jesus is the king of second chances. He says to this group of failures, I love you and I died to forgive you and we are going to be together again. But don't miss the biggest second chance. You see it there on the screen, two little words, and Peter. Peter's the guy who denied Jesus three times. He's singled out by the angels. And we can imagine if Peter was not singled out, what he would have said. He would have said, hey, boys, you go without me. Jesus doesn't want to see me. Jesus would never want to see me again. He could never forgive me. Jesus singles him out because Jesus declares to the Peters of the world, the utter failures, I love you. I died to forgive you completely. Slate wiped clean. Easter Sunday is the greatest day in the world because Jesus is the king of second chances for tax collectors, for prostitutes, for the outcast, for the guilty, for human beings who don't measure up to themselves or to God. Only the risen king offers forgiveness and life with God. It's completely scandalous. And Celsus, our second century Greek philosopher, he said, this is ridiculous. 
Christianity does not say, come, you who have clean hands and pure speech, you who are untainted by crime, you who have a good conscience towards God, you who have done justly and lived uprightly. Christianity says, come, you who are sinners, you who are fools or children, come, you who are miserable, and you shall enter the kingdom of God. The rogue, the thief, the prisoner, the unworthy, these are the church. How right our second century anti-Christian Greek philosopher was. Jesus came to save sinners like me and like you. Jesus is the king of second chances. In that famous book, Alice Through the Looking Glass, there's a really funny scene. Alice, she wants to get to a top of a hill and so she takes a windy path And she wanders and wanders and wanders, only to find that the path led back to her house. Hmm. She tries a different path. Off she goes. Yep. Comes back to her house. Path after path, she ends up at the house. She suddenly then looks at the house, stamps her feet and goes, it's your fault, house. That's how most of us feel life is. Life is like bushwalking in the fog. Yeah, we can fake it online and we can fake it to our friends. But most of the time, we're just trying our best, grabbing hold of this advice and this advice, trying this bit of well-being and this type of materialism and this way of education. But we keep finding that every year it keeps coming back to the same spot. We keep blaming random things, but the guilt is still there. There really is no hope behind the facade. Just hollow words from influencers on YouTube. We become disillusioned with culture, disillusioned with politics, disillusioned with religion. If that's your experience, and I know it will be a lot of you, Jesus says you're stuck on Good Friday. You're stuck on the day of shattered dreams, of gloom, of inertia. The day when the worst of humanity looks like it won and the best of humanity look like it failed. Christianity has got absolutely nothing to offer if Jesus' story finished on Good Friday. But Easter Sunday changes everything. On Easter Sunday, the fog lifted over Jerusalem and the whole message became clear. Jesus is the risen King. Jesus is not someone with hollow words. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins and that was an infinite sentence. But he satisfied it completely because on Easter Sunday, Jesus walked free. And then he was witnessed in the flesh by these women, the 11 disciples and over 500 people and the resurrection changed their life. The resurrection made them go from guilt-ridden to forgiven and free. From hopeless to full of hope. From scared and nervous to courageous sharers of Jesus across the world. And the same story has happened in every culture for the last 2,000 years. For every Christian that lives with the historical, intellectual and emotional reality of Jesus' resurrection. This Easter, Jesus invites you to come from Friday to Sunday.
out of the fog and the perpetual frustration of living for yourself to following King Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus, the risen Jesus, knows you and he knows everything you're going through and he knows everything you've done. And that's why he died for you. He died to fix your greatest problem, which is your sin, and bring you back to God. And he's alive right now. And he has the power to help you in the fog of any anxiety you have. He has the power to help you through the hard times and the good times. And he will give you life from the grave when that happens. Jesus invites the weary, the broken, the sinner, to come to him and find rest. And today, he holds out that forgiveness to you if you would approach him on your knees. In a few moments, Greg will pray a prayer that will help you come to Jesus on your knees and receive forgiveness of sins and new life. If you're not a Christian, you'll see the Christians beside you, they will do that still. Because as Christians, we follow Jesus on our knees. It is the prayer that Patrick Towns has prayed before he gets baptised. Because he says, Jesus has forgiven my sins. Today is a great day for you to come to Jesus on your knees and follow him as king. Now, I know some of you won't be ready for that. We're not into pushing people to do stuff here. But if you are not sure and you have real questions, not just fake questions, then don't let this moment pass. We've got copies of Mark's Gospel, which we've been reading this morning. Please take it home and read the whole story. Okay, we'll leave them in the foyer. They've got this beautiful red cover. Read it, read it and enjoy the whole story of Jesus. Check it out for yourself. Or secondly, come to Simply Christianity, where people like you get to ask any question they want and work out who this Jesus is. But on this Easter Sunday, the greatest day of history, let's pray to the one who has beaten death and given life. Let's pray. Risen Jesus, the only one to beat death, the only one to beat sin, you truly are a king worth following with our whole lives. The courage of Joseph is a wonderful example. The witness of the women is what we base our faith on. And the second chances of those disciples is what you give us. We thank you for the greatest day in history that changes us and gives us real hope, real life and wonderful forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.